our text is found on page 1095, 1095, 1095, Acts 13. We're going to be reading the first three verses. I've had them there down to 12, verse 12, but I didn't get that far in my preparation. In a moment, you'll know why. As you well know already, this is marking a transition from the church in Israel or the church among the Jews to the church to the Gentiles or the rest of the world. Now, there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, a member of the court of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, and Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. Let's pray. Father, we ask for your help as we look at these brief verses. May we see your truth and wisdom here that we may understand and apply it to our lives. We long to invest ourselves in our faith. And some are still struggling in how to do that. So speak to us this morning. Help us be totally yours. It is in the name of our Savior we pray. Amen. Are you spiritually invested? We see very often, and you've probably participated in it, we see very often people who invest in the stock market. They want to have something set aside for retirement. They want to be able to draw interest off of their savings. And investing is a very honorable and respected way to earn income. They usually commit money in order to earn a financial return. Part of the definition of investment is to make use of future benefits or advantage. There are other definitions of investment as well. We can invest ourselves in relationships. We can invest time, we can invest emotion, we can invest effort. Parents are very often deeply invested in their children's lives. A husband and wife are very often deeply invested in one another's lives. So investing is a very broad kind of a concept. It's not just something that's limited financially. Although we understand that people usually work to earn in order to invest in order to receive some return. And we do that in our relationships. We work to keep them alive. We work to keep them vibrant. We work to keep them warm. 
in order that we might be bonded, especially to those people in our family, bonded emotionally and mentally. Acts 13 regards early church lessons about what type of, what type of prophets are false and what type of prophets are true. This is a different kind of prophet. When we're talking about investing, we're talking about P-R-O-F-I-T. Prophets or preachers are P-R-O-P-H-E-T. But this morning, I would like to talk a few moments about something that I believe is right alongside it. But not so much about the prophets, false or true. There are some, spiritually speaking, there are some things that we need to invest in our faith and in our walk. We need to see them from the text. Reading our scripture briefly, just part of it. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, a member of the court of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. There is also two other men mentioned, Bar-Jesus, or Elamis, and Sergius Paulus. Next time we come together, we'll be learning more about these men and why it is important that they are mentioned. But this morning I would like to share something that just kind of jumped off the page as I was studying and preparing for this message. Three points I'd like to go over. First, we are called to worship. First point, we are called to worship. Two, worship requires an investment. And three, God responds to those who invest well. Now the text is about true or false prophets, but there's something else here I think we need to see. The verse 2, the Bible says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. That word caught my attention because I usually read several different translations. There are other translations that say, while they were ministering or while they ministered. But here in this text, in the ESV, it says while they were worshiping. And it caught my attention. I wanted to understand why is there a different translation. And I opened up the Greek lexicon and I looked it up. That word for worshiping or ministering in the verbal tense that is there, liturguntong. Sounds funny, sounds almost silly, but it's not. It is from the word liturgy. And if you've run in churchy circles long enough, then you understand that liturgy is worship. When we come here on a Sunday morning and we open up our bulletin, that schedule, that script, that all of the thing we do, singing songs, and offering prayers and reciting words together, that is liturgy. It is all part of worship. 
It's not just the preaching. That has been church tradition for ages. So when you hear the word liturgy, for us it should be first on our list, that's, that's worship. But there are also civil understandings to the word minister. It's very often sometimes translated minister. And we civilly understand that there are ministers of public defense, ministers of finance, ministers of public transportation, various ministers of state, both federal and state. But it all comes from the ancient Greek language, liturgy. An office of minister requires some responsibility and requires some service. The office of worshiper also requires some responsibility and requires some service. But for the Christian, the meaning of minister should not be limited to an ordained office. Very often, guys like me are called ministers because we've been ordained, but you too are ministers. You have been called to worship. You have been called to rule and reign with Christ Jesus. You too are ministers, or you too are worshipers. We are involved in the ministry. We are involved in liturgy every time we worship God. We are called to worship. Worship requires an investment, and God responds to those who worship well. When Bible, when I, my first point, we are called to worship. We are all called to worship. It is a universal call. God has given the world a universal call to bow down before him. And there are some who do not recognize his authority. We know that. Many, many, many do not bow. But the Apostle Paul, as should we, the Apostle Paul recognized this call comes from birth. Galatians 1.15, he wrote, it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Also, the 139th Psalm, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. My frame was hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they are all written, the days fashioned for me, when yet there was none of them. There is a universal call to every human being because God has formed all of us. He has known all of us. And yet many do not respond. 
Psalm 71, 6, By you I have been upheld from birth. You are he who took me out of my mother's womb. My praise shall be continually of you. We can go again and again and again throughout Scripture and find references that prove this point. We are called to worship, and that call is universal to everyone who is born because he has made every one of us. We are also, especially since we are Christian, we are called to worship from redemption. Christ didn't save you in order that you might have your best life now. His purpose from the moment of creation was to fill this earth with his glory as thoroughly as the waters cover the sea. And you are designed and you are called to be part of that. God's purpose, God's desire from the moment of creation was to fill this earth with his glory as thoroughly as the waters cover the sea. This is not obviously apparent when people are in rebellion. You and I may come on Sunday morning and sing, this is my father's world. And indeed it is. We see his glory because we have been called. Our eyes have been opened. We are no longer blind. We see his design in everything that has been made. But there are those who don't. Imagine a world filled with God lovers. Imagine the peace. Imagine experiencing the atmosphere of love. It is promised to be one day, but not yet. Hebrews chapter 1, the Bible says that he is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to your angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of his angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. Here the author of Hebrews exalts the Lord Jesus Christ as the creator and the one who was adored by angels on the night of his earthly birth. Psalm 97, 1, the Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the multitude of the isles be glad. Clouds and darkness around him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. The heavens declare the righteousness of God. And all the people see his glory. Let all be put to shame who serve carved idols.
I need to pause here and remind you that your worship has little to do with your redemption. You are not earning any more assurance to eternal life by coming to church on Sunday morning. When you worship God, when you worship your Lord faithfully, you give testimony to his glory. That is what you're doing. And that is a worthy effort. We should all be very glad to do it. We should all be happy to do it. We are called to worship. Worship requires an investment. While they were worshiping, while they were ministering, while they were liturgungun, excuse me, liturgunton, Greek is a funny language. Hebrew is even funnier. Liturgunton, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, It used to be so hard to get Christians to go along with this discipline of fasting. Oh, but I get so hungry. I can't skip a meal and pray. But you know what? You frighten them with obesity and bad health, and everybody's doing intermittent fasting now just to save their own lives. It's a big trend now. The funny thing how we couldn't get people to spend time in God, with God in fasting, but we can get people to spend time in fasting for themselves. It kind of makes you scratch your head and wonder, where are our priorities? We want to save our own skin. We want to prolong our own life. We're not ready to give it up enough to where we can spend time with God. Discipline of fasting is a way of placing the body under submission. And that's what you literally, whether you do it for diet and health or whether you do it for the Lord, you are suppressing your desires in order that you might achieve something better or then you might focus on something better. And for our worship, fasting should be there. Because he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. By him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. There is nothing that exists today that would exist were he not eternal. And he did not make it. Nothing would exist had he not made it. We are called to worship. Worship requires an investment. And this investment is not limited to Sunday morning. I am thrilled. I am encouraged. And I know you are too. Every time we come together for Sunday morning and we see one another, people whom we love coming to share our love for the Lord Jesus, that is encouraging. That lifts my spirit. I know it does yours. But this isn't the only time we should do it. We should be worshiping God throughout the week, 
on our own, within our families, with one another. Here at Countryside, we've been working on preparation of a, an evangelism class. And we've been looking closely following evangelism explosion model as a plan to teach evangelism here. And this evangelism explosion model worked very well when it was developed 40 and 50 years ago. Back then, you could come up, walk up to just about anyone in America and ask them their two basic questions. You know for sure that you are going to heaven and be with God if you died today. And the second question, if God were to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven, what would you say? Those two questions would work very well 40 and 50 years ago. They don't work well today because there are more people who even deny the ex existence of God, and there are many people who are even offended by the thought of God. If the church is going to be evangelistic, if the church is going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, then she must desire to minister or to worship, to spend time to give him glory in order that he might respond well with his power. That's where you get it, folks. This is a problem in the church, and the problem and this problem is something the church needs to deal with, even if it's one small country church in one small town called Cameron. Most Christians this is kind of a bold statement. Most Christians don't really worship. Let me qualify that. Give me a moment here. Don't turn me off. Most Christians don't worship. They'll profess faith in Christ with their lips, and that's about as far as it goes. Many Christians don't think church is relevant anymore, especially after so many churches have been shut down and attendance is down because of the virus. When many professing Christians do attend, they attend for selfish needs. Oh, I need some encouragement. I need some wisdom. I need to help. I, I, and if those needs aren't met when they come on Sunday morning, they very often don't come back. People are looking for a church that fits them. They aren't looking for a church that preaches truth. C.S. Lewis, I tried to find the quote. I read it some time ago. C.S. Lewis once wrote, and this is kind of a paraphrase, that Christians aren't comfortable in the presence of God while they're in this life. Why should they desire to spend eternity in heaven with him when heaven will be filled with his presence? And when you think about it, that's tragically accurate. Now, I do know that when, when we are in glory with him, we will know our loved ones who have gone on before us. 
But as I've said before, and I want you to continue to think about this, as I've said before, you, fellow Christian, you, brother and sister in Jesus, need to be conforming your mind to him and expecting to taste of the blessings of his presence in glory. The church in this, in this world, the church in this life is supposed to prepare you for that life. And if you don't learn to love God here, then you're not ready to be there. It's hard to accept, but some people need to hear that. If you're not in love with the Lord here, you're not ready to be there. Heaven is filled with the very presence of God that most Christians try to avoid here. They don't like going to church because the people are hard to get along with. They don't like what the preacher says. He's always asking for money. This and that and the other thing. Every, every excuse they use to stay out because the church has not been preparing the people to love the Lord their God. And that is our mission. Christians aren't being taught how to be spiritually invested. It's not like you're going to lose anything. If you've received Christ as your Savior... If you've received him as your Lord and your Savior, that redemption is secure. You need to stop using others as an excuse to stay away from God. And you need to be looking for him, pursuing him, working through all of the muck and the mire, even that is in the church today, and find the Lord Jesus and learn to love him. You need to be spiritually invested. Ephesians chapter 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. That is an eternal blessing. If you are in Christ, that blessing of eternity never ends. Come to love him. Learn to adore him. Even the Lord Jesus quoted the prophets, Matthew 25, when he, when he said, When the Son of Man, he was speaking of himself, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. And the king will say, the Lord Jesus Christ himself will say, to those on his right hand, come you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the, kingdom, from the foundation of the world. Invest your time in the Lord. It's not going like you're going to lose anything. 
you're going to gain so much more. And he will respond well in your life with blessings and purpose and peace and answered prayer. And how do I invest in him? It requires some time. It requires some effort. Daily. It's recommended daily that you spend time daily praying, reading the word, even singing. Well, I can't sing. Well, the Lord knows you can't sing. That's why I'm saying do it privately, on your own. Maybe in your car while you're driving to work. But be sure and get in the Word daily. Be sure and spend some time praying. Be grateful for it to Him in prayer for all that He has done for you. And He will remind you everything, everything that you have. When I was a young man, I used to dream. Oh, this is going to seem silly. But for some reason, it seemed so important to me. Part of my dad's life, he was a fireman. And I remember I wanted to be so much like dad. And growing up, I, I, one of the, this seems silly, I'm sorry. But it's one thing that I'm very grateful of. One of the things I always wanted when I first had my own home, it was just some small little rental property. It wasn't very big, wasn't very much to it. And I always thought, one day, one day, I'm going to have a garage with an automatic door opener. And I have that now. And every morning when I get in that car and I push that button, that door comes up, I'm reminded that this is just like the fireman. And for that one moment, every morning, I'm, it's silly. It's, I don't know why it's so important to me, but I am grateful for that. You can be grateful for everything he has given you. You better be most grateful that he has redeemed you and cleansed you from sin and made you righteous and clothed you in his own clothes, in his own robes. And then everything else is just sweet. Spend time with him daily. Develop emotional bonds with your Lord and Savior. Commit some of his word and truth to your mind. Memory work is very often, you don't have to go word for word, but principle for principle. And invest the truth principles of Scripture into your mind and your life. Is your obedience to him happy obedience? Then you are blessed. If it is contented obedience, you may be going through some trial right now, and it's understandable. Persevere. Your obedience needs to be happy obedience, glad to obey, glad to respond to the Lord, glad to worship him. If it's contented obedience, that's okay. Don't stay there. Try to get back up into the happy zone. But if your obedience is mechanical and apathetic, you need prayer. You need work.
The Bible says we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are his workmanship. If you are his workmanship, he is involved in your life. He desires to respond to you. We are called to worship. Worship requires an investment. Are you spiritually invested in your faith? God responds to those who invest well. In our text, verse 2, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, the Holy Spirit spoke, the Holy Spirit responded. God responds to those who invest well. Does he respond to you? I believe he has responded to the prayers of many in this congregation. I mean, we're not burning down, the, we're not breaking the windows out with, with attendance. I mean, we're not overgrown, but the Lord has provided. I think that there is much more that he will do, and I expect to see it. But if we are to share the gospel evangelistically, and people begin to come here, they need to see how much we love him, how much we are invested in him. We are called to worship. Worship requires an investment. God responds to those who invest well. Now we will get into a lesson about truth, true prophets and false prophets. And we will see that lesson repeated throughout the rest of the book of Acts. But I hope you see a connection. But if we are not invested in God's truth and understand what worship is all about, then nothing else will matter. We won't get anything else. You can make some academic understanding to your mental capacity. You can, oh, that's a I see that reason. I see that logic. But if you were not invested in the truth that is there, especially the truths about worshiping God, very little else will help you. We are called to worship, and there is a personal time. We've already talked about that in our life where we come to worship. Quietly, privately, and there is and also a time when our lives, if, if that part of our life is healthy, then it gives us confidence to praise and worship him publicly. If our private life is strong in worshiping God and our corporate life within the church is strong and faithful in worship, worshiping God, then publicly we have boldness to share the gospel and to praise God and to worship him. You may not think these apply, but I think they're good examples. And there are several. I don't have time to go through them all, but there was one particularly most recently about the Toyota, excuse me, Toyota, Tokyo Olympics. 
You may have heard, you may have not. The Fiji men's rugby team recently won gold over New Zealand. And you can hear one news report. This rugby team got up on the gold platform, received their medals, and the world was kind of enamored. In their own native language, they sang a song together. Strong men's voices sounded great. Very few could understand it. You listen to one newscast, oh, the words were, oh, well, they understood, assuming and knowing that Fiji is not a very big island and there's only about 600 people living there and their me medical facilities are very poor and COVID virus has just run rampant through the, and the words that they were able to translate from that was, we will overcome. No. They mistranslated it. These men believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Reading from Breakpoint, they knew someone who knew the language. They knew someone who recognized the song they were singing. It was a hymn. Giving praise and glory to God for their victory. And the words that they went to that, we have overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of the Lord. We have overcome. Traditional hymn to their Christian people. They knew how to worship the Lord privately. They knew how to worship the Lord publicly, corporately. They knew how to worship the Lord before the world, publicly. Let us pray. Lord, we're thankful that you have given us one another. We're thankful for your word and its truth and its power. And we ask this day that you may help us to worship you, to invest our lives in the faith that we profess, to develop the emotional bonds as though we were in love with you as much as you are with us. Help us, dear Father, to be faithful in all things. Amen.